Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on July the 23rd, 2013. I always encourage people at the beginning of the broadcast to make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll start to understand the system that you're born into, a system developed over a hundred years ago that really planned a global governance system by the richest people on the planet of their day. Actually, they formed private foundations to make all this happen. And they've called themselves a parallel government. And in Britain, of course, where they started off, they called themselves the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And branches across the world are often called Council on Foreign Relations. Every European parliamentarian is also a member of it too. So under George Soros, who's a boss for the European group. So we're run really by private uh, organizations. Uh, they call themselves philanthropic organizations. They have their own think tanks. They advise governments across the world on policies in so many different areas. And the public uh, have no idea that most of them even exist or how things really work. And they still think they're living in some kind of democracy. But the public, as I say, are completely out of the picture because the new system decided a long time ago uh, that they were at the top of the tree, the financial tree of the day, and they and their offspring would continue to run the system for well into the future, as far as it could possibly go, by directing the policies of the future, by by developing trade systems, free trade systems, and uniting countries together like they did with the Europe, which is like a new Soviet system, really. It's not democratic at all. And also bringing in private enterprise into its proper place where international corporations would really supersede uh, governance, as I like to call the word governance. And we have that today. As uh, countries are going bankrupt, private corporations are going in and buying up everything, including islands off the coast of Greece and elsewhere in Europe. And, um, and all the private um, public-owned utility systems are all getting sold off for peanuts to foreigners to across the world. So go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself because they go through the system in quite good detail. And it is documented. It's not a conspiracy theory at all. It's, it's out there and from their own writings too. And I use a lot of the writings from Professor Carol Quigley, who was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations with access to their archives because they have their own version of history where they fill in all the blank bits that everyone else leaves out. Remember too, you bring me to you, you can help me tick along here by getting the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, I go through the art of the techniques that are used to manage masses of people, herds of people, as they call them, at the top, and empires, etc. So, uh, from the US to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks to order, you can send cash, you can use PayPal. Uh, you can use international postal money orders from the post office to Canada. 
And across the world you have Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal. Straight donations are seriously welcome because it costs a lot to do just what I'm doing here. And it's really just more than just a, a 10 or 12 hour job per day. It's, uh, it's, your, it's your life basically because you have to go behind all the stories to find out what's really going on and why things are going on. And I've gone through uh, a lot of their agenda so far. You can always tell what's coming up because if you follow their big foundations and their publications, they tell you what they're going to do next, uh, including where the wars are going to happen too, because they have their eyes on resources. Fifty years ago or more, they talked about having resource wars, and this is what you're going through today. There's other reasons for it too in the Middle East, but uh, we're going through resource wars as, as countries grab the share of the loot, basically, the oil uh, and so on that's coming out of the ground in these countries getting rid of the established governments that they have under various pretexts, of course, and um, and they're using the Western world to do it all for them. So private business basically has us all going to war so that the private businesses can get all the financing, the financing they can, uh, and they can get all, all done for free, basically. In fact, when the, the U.S. and Britain and other countries went to Iraq, uh, they bombed the old uh, oil facilities and refineries, and, and they had it planned beforehand that the West would finance the rebuilding of them. So cost really the corporations nothing. And then they had their little lotto to decide which big, big oil companies would get these brand new facilities. It's all been done. And that's how the world is really run. Private corporations are at the top of the tree here. And when you look again into uh, sites like IBM's website, they'll tell you so much of the future on their websites because when IBM holds their big international meetings, every corporation that's any corporation at all attends. I think they must attend, actually. And it gives you a list of all these top, top corporations across the planet. They all attend it. Uh, IBM, remember, has been given, uh, or they've given themselves the right to go ahead and create what they call the, the smart grid and also the global smart grid across the whole planet because they plan to funnel a lot of your energy systems across the water through undersea cables and so on to other countries across the world. And eventually they'll be able to cut countries short at times and, and route it to some other country that's more in dire straits or whatever at the particular time. So this is their, their plan for the future. And of course, too, to get your government subsidies as well to help build all these big projects of theirs. It's a beautiful system where the public are now used to finance big corporations. And they have been actually for quite some time. And um, as I say, the public still have utter faith in governments, but governments have changed drastically. Uh, over many, many, many years as to what their whole purpose has been. Governments now seem to be there to rubber stamp all the big uh, global agendas that are done in, in far-off places when they have their big meetings, where it's the Earth agenda, and Morty Strong, whatever. Uh, private corporations have, they draft up these big treaties, and the countries just simply rubber stamp them. And yet these treaties affect every single one of us, it affects your tax base as well because a lot of it goes into these big uh, world projects and it affects the way you, you live in fact. And if you go into Agenda 21, uh, basically that they've already stated that they want most of the folk off the land that shouldn't be there. They want international uh, farming corporations only, the big, big agribusiness farms only for the future. 
China's ahead of this, of course, because it's a, still a pretty well totalitarian state. And uh, the, gov- where the government's moving uh, sometimes two million people off the land per week uh, to move them into the cities, and the big agri-business farms move in instead. So that's to be the template for across the world as we go through all these changes. Most folk are oblivious. Now, the media is not there to help you. Other media would be filling you in all the stuff that, uh, for instance, I talk about. But that's not their job, because remember, all the big media moguls were, were set up a long time ago. I, I go back to the 1930s, even when Rockefeller got some of his friends together and to do a survey to see how many newspapers in the U.S. alone they'd have to own. Uh, to, to shape public opinion and for all the other newspapers to copy. And today it's much, much more. It's almost all of them pretty well. And, uh, and that's where you have standardized news. The same spin on every story. There's no questioning. Uh, very few newspapers today have any investigative reporters at all on staff. They get it all from Reuters or the AP. And so, once again, you have standardized news. It's very important you understand for agendas to make sure that everyone has the same uh, basic uh, indoctrination. And that's what it is. It's indoctrination. Most of the public are oblivious to this because, as Brzezinski said in the 1970s in his own book, Between Two Ages, that most of the public get uh, everything they talk about from yesterday's news. And they said... Um, they even accept the fact now that the, the, the media is there to do their thinking for them. It's like an appendage uh, and, and to do for your reasoning powers. And then truly, they truly believe that, that there's anything, anything worth knowing, the media would surely tell them. They have no idea the media is owned by the big moguls, all members, again, of the Council of Foreign Relations or the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They have no idea at all. A lot of them don't care once they do know anymore. They're too busy having fun. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the big system that really runs the world. And again, you have to go into the politicians' resumes and see who they were before that. Most of it are lawyers, actually, for corporations. And some of them have even been CEOs of corporations. Once they get out of politics, they're back into the corporate field again. And uh, and that's how the business all works. It's all to do with business, basically. We know that certain organizations that government have set up to take care of us, to take care of food, for instance, and so on, or food and drugs with the FDA in the U.S., uh, is staffed with often people people who've been big pharma, for instance, or in the big agribusiness like Monsanto. And so, really, their allegiance is to uh, the private companies they've just come out of. And often they go back in. There's one woman, in fact, who's been working with the FDA, who's been back and forth with Monsanto into government, U.S. government, uh, five times. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So every time they want something changed in the law, they, they, they put in their troubleshooters, and that's how it works, folks. So it's all to keep, it's a panacea for the public, you might say. And the public think they're being taken care of. And every country's got their own versions of this as well. The same thing, too, when politicians get out of office, you find uh, even prime ministers in Canada often get directorships on maybe 10 to 20 different boards, they don't have to even attend these things, but uh, they also get so many stocks and, and, and the shares and so on in corporations 
for, for the good work they did when they were in government. Well, good work for whom? For the corporations, especially to do with free trade, etc. This is how the thing works across the world now. Now, we also find out, too, that they give us more petty things to, to argue about at the bottom. That's what the media gives you now. In fact, since the Levison Inquiry in Britain and the one in Australia, all the Commonwealth countries uh, in Britain, uh, you can tell that a switch has gone off in the media. It's like they're telling us nothing but trivia. Even the mainstream are giving us trivia stories like the old tabloids were giving. They're all the same now. And there's a reason for that, because none of them want to talk. They've all been given their orders not to talk about certain things, even shy away talking about all the wars in the Middle East and the upcoming ones and so on. And they're, they're obeying their orders, obviously, because news today is full of trivia from mainstream. And some of the stories are meant to get you kind of angry and all, all the little people arguing amongst themselves. They're called emotive topics, you see. Uh, there's nothing you can do about them. It's that they're singular incidents of, of things, and it's what's happened has happened. But it's meant to get you angry. Should this have happened, or should it not have happened, etc., etc. So they fight amongst themselves. But that leaves the politicians alone, you understand. So that's how things really work. Some of them are kind of interesting, mind you, too. Because there's one article here for as an example of this. It says, outrage. Whenever I see outrage, I always say, well, who's outraged? If the public don't know, they're not outraged at all. And often they don't know about anything until they're actually told, like this article tells you. It says, over accused Fort Hood shooters, $300,000 pay. He's still being paid, the guy who did the shootings. So they're spurring legislation, it says. For the nearly four years since Army Major Nadal Hassan allegedly gunned down more than a dozen American servicemen, U.S. taxpayers have continued to pay his salary to the tune of around $300,000 so far. But new legislation called the Stop Pay for Violent Offenders Act and introduced Monday in the House of Representatives would authorize the military to suspend pay for Hassan and other members of the military for any capital or sex-related offenses. And I'll tell you, my mind works in odd ways. I, I immediately jumped to politicians. And I thought, it's a pity we couldn't do the same with them once they're out of office, eh? You know, politicians in most countries only have to get five years in, regardless of their age, five years. And they get a full index-related pension that goes up per annum with, with even if they've left 20 years ago, it keeps going up to match present politicians' uh, uh, income. And the full drug coverage and all that kind of stuff. But five years is all they have to put in to get a, a pension for life. Isn't that something? I mean, that's something we should all be arguing about too. Now, this guy killed uh, troops in a base in the U.S. What about the politicians that got all the wars going so far? How many people have they killed? And are they getting well paid for that too? Some of them were even having big speaking engagements across the world and raking in thousands of bucks for talk. It's quite something, isn't it? It's all how you perceive things, you see. But see, this is the article that they get back to. Uh, one guy, Major Daryl Hassan, gunned down more than a dozen American servicemen. Now, everybody, all the little people will be arguing about, oh, this is terrible, disgusting, so they've got to do something about that, you see. 
And so it says current law allows the military to suspend the pay of civilian employees, but an army spokesman or person told ABC News last month it cannot stop paying Hassan, who's still officially in the army. At his usual pay grade, unless he's convicted, Hassan has admitted to shooting his fellow soldiers, saying in June, November 5th, 2000, a attack on Fort Hood, Texas, was done in the defense of others, in his case, the Taliban. Hassan has repeatedly refused to enter a plea, so earlier this month, the military pleaded not guilty for him. So most of will argue about that, but they're not going to argue about all, all the politicians that have... Um, had us go to wars, wars which really were all rigged, as we all know. And the British papers that came out later, uh, that uh, Tony Blair, for instance, the one-man band, the only guy who wanted the war because he was in on the, the big uh, agenda, uh, he wanted the war. He himself uh, confabulated lots of reasons to go to war, of course, and just like the U.S., he wanted only the radical uh, ideas from his little his little advising group to give so that they could go to war. Is it possible these guys are arming, etc., etc.? And even though the slim chance of that was happening, it was, was promoted forward, he would take that as a yes. They are ready to go to war. We better go there and, and get them first. That kind of stuff, you see, old stuff. So anyway, they give us the trivia to argue over, and really there's nothing we can do about it, you know, because um, how many other folk are getting uh, full-term pay for things like this? Who knows? We'll never know unless we're told. We don't know. In fact, we don't know much at all about what happens in big government. And in this day of media overload, just data overload, I should call it really, with Internet and so on, and most folk can't handle it. It's almost like the brain can only handle so much, and they, they delete Stories from their heads to let new ones in, most of which are no better than the last lot you're kicking out. That's really how bad it is. Now, another one, two will put up tonight. Remember, I, I put all these articles that I read up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the night, so you can look them up for yourselves and so on. But I'll put up the one, two for the NSA. They've got their own website up for the Utah Data Center, the new data center. And uh, they're advertising for staff and all the rest of it there too. But uh, it's quite an amazing uh, site indeed. They tell the type the of uh, supercomputers they have, the XC30 supercomputers made by the Cray Company. They've got quite a few there. And uh, oh, they're awfully, awfully excited about it. I'll touch on that when I come back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the big data center, big data center they've got in Utah. And said to you, the Utah data center will be powered by the massively parallel uh, Cray XC30 uh, supercomputer capable of scaling high-performance computing workloads of more than 100 uh, petaflops, they call it, or 100,000 trillion calculations each second. We're supposed to be in awe of this stuff, eh? Mind you, the computers haven't stopped anything so far, have they? In any country that I know of, haven't stopped anything. But it sounds awfully impressive, doesn't it? 100,000 trillion calculations each second, a petaflop. 
Wow, petaflop, eh? So there you go. And as it goes, uh, neologisms all the time. It says, codenamed Cascade, the, this behemoth was developed in conjunction with Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA. That's the same bunch who keep out, put out propaganda pieces to the mainstream about helping paraplegics by putting uh, brain chips in them so they can, they can move an arm or maybe put an email out through thought alone, supposedly. DARPA. And it said here that they go through the advanced encryption standard two algorithm, use worldwide to encrypt electronic data on hard drives, email systems, and web browsers. And they go through that too. So they're awfully impressed with themselves, I can tell by the, the article here, which of course is a PR article naturally. And, but they've got a whole, they've got a whole bunch of plants set up there. There's more to be completed before 2013 is over. And, uh, and they're awfully, awfully impressed, as I say. And they're looking for, for people to work there. Uh, exciting jobs, etc. 24 hours per day, all that stuff. So, uh, that's for really observing not just all Americans and Canadians and pretty well the world is what it's about, really intercepting all messages, as we well know. But most folk accept it too, and they say, what can you do? And, Again, they've convinced the public they must have uh, these electronic systems uh, themselves, their iPads and so on, and computers to survive, which isn't true at all, because not so long ago people actually used pen and paper and so on, and it worked awfully, awfully well. In fact, you didn't have massive leaks uh, like they do with the massive data uh, getting stolen and, and published to the world. Also, too, it's interesting how George Orwell talked about the big agenda because uh, in his 1984 book, of course, which was initially called The Last Man, but his publisher wanted to change it to 1984, reversing 1948 when it was first put out. But um, he talks about linguistic minimalism, and that was one of the goals of the, the, the bureaucracy that was working on behalf of the, the super elite in, in the book, of course. And linguistic minimalism was done by initially just cutting down the, the amount of words in, in the vocabulary and the words in, even in the dictionary. So every, every year got thinner and thinner. And uh, we're achieving that goal. The idea being that uh, a potential terrorist, you know, a, a terrorist is anyone who has, who has self-thought, self-thought, as you said, or own think. Uh, if you thought for yourself, you could be a terrorist because you might communicate what's wrong to other people and they might catch on as well and say, you're right, you know. So if you can't really communicate it to others, uh, then there's no problem. Uh, you're, you're left with it in your head and that's all you could do with it. So that, that's where we're going today. It says, experts say the oral tradition of passing on knowledge is being eroded with both adults and children spending too much time looking at screens. And that's true. And it says the text messages, emails, and using computers to learn could be stunting children's vocabulary. Experts, that would say experts fear, you know. And it says that's because our brains are hardwired to learn new words when we hear others use them in everyday conversation. Of course, it's even more so when you're young. Because you certainly are hardwired when you're young to pick up uh, all, even languages, different languages. And if you know people who've moved with country to country with their children, they can often speak three or four languages very, very, very just pick up just like, it's like from the ether almost. It's just so easy for them. Anyway, it says, 
But learning with smartphones, tablets and computers instead of listening to a teacher or parent means young people are not being given the chance to hear a wide range of words, the experts say. They claim the oral tradition of passing on knowledge is being eroded, with both, both adults and children spending too much time looking at screens. Marco Catani of the Institute of Psychiatry, King's College London, said, We have less time to talk to each other and our children are taught through devices. Actually, the children can be in the same room or sitting around a table in a restaurant and then they just text, they don't even talk to each other, they text each other. Amazing, eh? Anyway, it says they have access to the internet, iPhones, mobile phones and tablet computers. They're visual rather than auditory, so it's likely they'll end up with a lower average number of words than previous generations. Constant computer use has been blamed in the past for shorter attention spans, a culture of instant gratification, and making young people more self-centered. Well, these, what they're mentioning here is all parts of the goals of those in the world bodies. Because back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, people like Bertrand Russell worked on these global agendas to do with altering the cultures across the world step by step to achieve various goals. One was the destruction of the family, and so they would promote promiscuity. And, and of course, supply abortions and all the rest of it. That's happened. That's been done. It's been achieved. These weren't guys working in, in, from Russia. These are guys working from London, England, and way up there as, as top uh, philosophers, etc. But it also talked about um, attention spans and so on, instant gratification, and making people more self-centered. He says it will make them hedonistic and narcissistic. And, uh, and he says people who are narcissistic and hedonistic have no interest in the greater world around them or even in their area around them was happening to other people that they might even know. They have no interest. Their, their world is their bubble and that they're inside of it, uh, just them. And they're, they're out to keep themselves happy. That's what they live for. That's been done, achieved. This is now Dr. Catani's research suggests that children who learn from on-screen images rather than listening to conversation will also find it harder to take in vocabulary. In a study, the brains of 27 volunteers were scanned as they learned made-up words. They found hearing and then verbally imitating speech was key to understanding. Dr. Catani said, when you learn a new word, you start by hearing a sound, then you try to repeat it until you get it right. Uh, this, through this, you increase your vocabulary from age one until you get to around 30,000 words as an adult. I don't think a lot of the adults today can even have 30,000 words, to be honest with you. And um, so that's linguistic minimalism, as George Orwell calls it. It's like the movie Idiocracy. Uh, that's, where, that's where we're getting to. And this is all intentional, too. Because, you understand, the big boys who plan the global agendas and even decide what kind of technology they're going to allow the public to have has to, has to serve the elite's purpose first, not, not the public's. Uh, if it didn't serve the elite's purpose, you would never have seen the computer. But they, they knew this would set, certainly alter society, and it has tremendously. They think through everything before they make the first move and give you something. Anyway, it says the scans revealed that one brain area, the, the arcuate facilis, was very important in the learning process. The bundle of nerve fibers links two regions tied to language, one that hears and decodes sounds, and one that moves uh, the mouth to form speech. 
they found volunteers who were stronger, accurate, uh, faster schoolers, found it easier to learn new words. Once words are familiar, they're stored in other parts of the brain. The thing is, too, you have to keep using them in conversations from then on. The findings report in the Journal of uh, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences show listening, repetition, and conversation are critical to learning language. And that's true. But it says the information it could shed new light on disorders from autism to dyslexia and all the rest of it. Anyway, the fact is uh, it's going down generation to generation. Now remember, two attention span definitely has gone down, but that was, going, that was happening already with television. And those who work in television and movies and so on and Hollywood all are all perfectly aware uh, that children who are brought up watching cartoons from an early age, for instance, um, you'll notice the cartoon shots now don't have any more than about uh, a maximum of 15, that's even too long, 15 seconds of, of uh, two car- characters talking to each other. They have to keep moving, moving, moving. And if the child, that was part of that was to hook the children on it, by the way, because the children know that if they look, look away for a, a minute or a second and look back again, they've missed part of the, the story. It's intentional. So we're manipulating so many ways the public are completely oblivious of, uh, but to those who run our minds are, are perfectly, perfectly aware of, indeed. Also, this article here is interesting to an extent, minor interest. Nothing will happen about it. But it says, Homeland Security official is probed. It says, President Barack Obama's choice to be the number two official at the Homeland Security Department, the one he picked, is under investigation for his role in helping a company run by a brother of former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton. The Associated Press learned. So Alejandro Mayorkas, director of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, is being investigated in connection with efforts to secure an international investor visa for a Chinese executive, according to congressional officials briefed on the investigation. The officials spoke only on the condition of anonymity because they're not authorized to release details of the probe. So anyway, Mallorca's was named by Homeland Security Inspector General's office as a target in the investigation involving the foreign investor program run by USCIS, according to an email sent to lawmakers on Monday. The IG's office says at this point they can't really tell you yes or no or so on or if they found anything. So nothing will happen because if you're, if you're well related and, and, and up there, uh, nothing ever happens. You'll notice. This is just business as usual. And it is business for all these characters involved. It's business. In fact, I've said for so long that people in governments today are quite, rather open about it in a way. Uh, to them, it's just a big business. It's their own personal business. For sure. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the, the, system, the reality of the system. You understand, those who control always try to give you a version of reality which most folk will accept. They have no suspicion about it whatsoever because of their training. And I mentioned Jack C. Lowe many times, the philosopher who worked copiously on the techniques that are used for control of big societies. And uh, he talks about the initial indoctrination at school is imperative for subsequent propaganda to take, as I say, to take on, on the subject. Without it, it won't take. 
And that's why those who had the most education, and I've read their studies here, that you'll find them at the archive section at cuttingthroughthemedics.com, but they say that those who are, are the easiest to upgrade in their, in their indoctrination are those who've had more education. They're less likely to question anything whatsoever. And they want to belong to their peer group so much, uh, they don't want to say anything negative to, to the status quo. But here's another article, too, to do with training the public, constant training for the, for the new society, for the world, you see. And it's for goody two-shoes. I call it goody two-shoes because technically it's about that, too. It says new flyers, or now flyers, I should say, flyers in the U.S. can keep their shoes on if they let Big Brother inspect their big data, it says. And it says, now all U.S. citizens can apply to speed through the airport screening if they don't mind contractors potentially mining their social media posts for signs of threatening behavior. On Friday, the Transportation Security Administration opened opened up to the entire American public a voluntary program once reserved for frequent flyers that lets travelers walk with their shoes and belts on to express checkpoints uh, lines. Laptops and TSA-sized complaint uh, liquids and gels can stay in place too. Body scans are still required. And it says... uh, and if you enroll to, to get onto this list, you expect it to cost 85. So you pay, you pay to get them permission to do mass data searches on you. As in the loss of privacy, you get that too. You agree to lose all privacy. The TSA is weighing, uh, weighing a contract that will hire private screeners to parse an applicant's consumer data, such as web browsing histories, for signs of danger before admission into express inspection programs. TSA pre-screening is one of the expedited aviation screening initiatives and the agencies are searching a further expansion of expedited physical screening to understand how pre-screening processes conducted by non-governmental entities as third parties can enhance aviation security by placing more focus on pre-screening individual states, a January call for industry demonstrations. And the agency officials said April they aim to finish evaluating the concept by the end of this year. Under the plan, a company would aggregate bio- biographic and biometric uh, non-governmental data elements to generate an assessment of the risk to the av- aviation transport system that may be posed by a specific individual, it says. The vendor would have to provide a reliable method that effectively identifies known travelers based on a sound analysis and application of an algorithm that produces dependable results. So they're going to go through all your data, constantly too, not just once, but but uh, each time that you phone in, that you're going to use their services and they'll screen all your data, etc., etc., ongoing. Training the public, you see that there's no privacy whatsoever. And the most, the more impatient people will certainly uh, are being trained all, all the faster, I guess. That's how it really works, isn't it? Also, this article too, this reminds me of Britain because I remember talking on the radio about a year or so ago, about an English student in London um, who had to sit in a class uh, where most of her mates were from India and Pakistan. And the class was held in Urdu, the language that most of them use, and she couldn't understand a word. And when she asked that she could be excused from this particular lesson, um, she was up on charges of racism. For, for requesting to be excused for having to listen through this, which I had a clue what they were talking about. Here's Arizona now. It says, Arizona nursing student suspended as bigot 
Actually, it was, an, I think the, the F word was used in F bigot for requesting class in English language. And it says that a nursing student attending a Pima a Community College in Arizona was suspended from class and subjected to accusations of bigotry when she asked that the course she paid for be conducted in English. The student was called Terry Bennett, who's age 50, initial complaint in April to school officials because she said the Spanish-dominated discussions in her classroom were, were preventing her from learning. Town Hall reported the college nursing program director, David Kutzler, Kutzler uh, then allegedly called her a bigot and an expletive, near swear word, and suspended her. Because he won't be hit for, for hate, hate speech there, of course. The student response filed a lawsuit claiming the college wrongfully suspended her. She also reiterated in her court documents that the reason for her request was because so many of her classmates were speaking Spanish and there was so much translation of the teacher's lesson plans from English to Spanish that her education was suffering, Town Hall said. It's a duplication of, of Britain, uh, what happens with mass migration. And it says, uh, at one point, Miss Bennett uh, met with school officials to try and resolve the issue. But in the meeting, a staffer at least told her she would not get a job because of her discriminatory accusations and that they suggested she might seek counselling. Can you imagine that? Because the folk, they won't use English in the classroom. Right? As says, the report didn't detail the date Miss Bennett filed a suit, but Town Hall reported the state constitution states that schools shall always be conducted in English, well, who cares about the laws anymore and the constitutions out the windows anyway? So, uh, this is standard stuff, folks. Get used to it because I've watched it across the world happening. Understand, you see, we're already global and those who uh, pretend they're, they're your elected officials have a different agenda in mind. They, they all do, by the way. Again, I'm going through Carl Quigley's documentation, who worked for the CFR, Royal Institute of International Affairs. As their historian uh, and their, ar- their archivist, their own archives, as I say, of history. These are the guys who came up with this global agenda, and he, he went through all of this and the problems it would cause, but they'd have to just accept it. But he also said that every prime minister and every president of the USA, as well, has been a, a member. And at that time, it was the 1960s when he wrote his two massive books about it, and... Uh, he said it had already been running, every, every president had been a member of this particular organization for, for 60 to 80 years. So now it's well over 100. That's how it really is. They're all vetted by this organization before they put in their own boy. Doesn't matter if it's left wing, right wing, by the way. Communist, capitalist, doesn't matter. That's what Quigley said. He says, we accept them all in this organization. Because, see, the public follow, most of the public are followers, and uh, they never figure things out by being a follower. You can't figure it out. Also tonight, too, I'll put up Pine Gap. Pine Gap, Australia, is awfully important. It's one of the biggest uh, U.S. bases uh, in, the, in the Far East there. It's Australia. And it says that uh, it's, it's, a, it's run by the Joint Defense Facility, Pine Gap, near Alice Springs. They have a big heart facility there as well, by the way, and a big biolabs, massive biolabs. In fact, they had one of the first uh, transspecies jumps of a virus from a horse, actually, in the base to, to people years ago. And it says half of the intelligence base are Australians, but Americans' tastes dominate the menu and so on. And then there's a souvenir gift shop, etc., etc. But the fact is, it's got a massive listening post there too. We listen to all Australians, everyone else's chats, and go through all their email and yada yada yada. 
etc., etc., etc. This is worldwide, and the U.S. taxpayer has been the big stick. And with massive unemployment, mind you, there are lots of troops to, to always get. That's why unemployment is great for wars. You always have a lot of unemployment when you need lots of troops, as a history of, of the, the whole of European countries will tell you. That's the way it works. But people should read about Pine Gap. As I say, it's a very, very important to a place. Uh, they're into everything you can imagine. And um, they've got spy satellites, of course, they all tap into constantly. And it's very, very important, apparently. Very, very important place to see what's going on over there. And by the way, countries, you understand when you're, when you're in the NSA, etc., you don't go by countries' laws. You don't buy any, any country's law, or even your own country's laws. Because if you're told to get the, the info, the dope on something, you're going to get it. Because your boss told you to. And that means cutting corners, etc. And crossing boundaries. All the laws that they have is just for the public's consumption to believe there's some kind of protection. And that they're not being uh, monitored all the time. Everything you do electronically is stored and monitored and kept for basically ever. Well, that's it for tonight. It flies in, doesn't it, this hour? So from Hamish Marcella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night when your God or your God's go with you. <laughs>